Welcome back to Podcast 64 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us the Icebreakers. Follow us on social media slash the Icebreakers. This episode is being brought to you by BetRivers.com. For a 100% sign-up bonus, please visit BetRivers. Use the promo code ODDS22. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to help us out with our cost, sponsor the website and podcast. We'd love to help you all. Please visit theicebreakers.com. Click shop and become a member. Pick any of our winning handicappers to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit the Asbreakers and become a free picks newsletter subscriber. 36 and 25 in the NFL, my friends. And we have a great show for you today because Adam Chernoff from covers.com and the simple handicap is coming on to break down NFL week four, the full slate of games adam's reputation in the sports betting industry is impeccable it's truly an honor to bring him back on to cover all of these games with you and i'm also very excited to go on vacation next week it's uh actually more bittersweet uh, it's sweet because we're going to playa carmen i'm going to get to go deep sea fishing try to hook a marlin if possible, or sailfish, or obviously we'll accept those delicious mahi-mahis if I have the opportunity to catch some, but it's a little bit bitter because it's right smack dab in the middle of the NFL season (laughs) as well as the college football season, so I'm going to be a little bit distracted, but I'm still going to come on and do a show for you on Wednesday for Thursday morning. I plan on doing our Tuesday morning podcast on Sunday night, so it should actually come out on Monday, being that we are leaving Monday. So not going to skip a beat here and give you as much value as possible that I can for the NFL Week 5 and College Football Week 6. But uh, um, I'm still looking to have a guest next week. I it, My schedule is going to be a little bit crazy, so there's a chance I'm not going to have a guest, but I, I'm hoping to get one on and live stream that on Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific like we always do here at theoddsbreakers.com. After Adam is done with the NFL, we are going to talk about some college football for the weekend and give you some leans and some plays as well as get into our normal sharp money movements so cannot wait to get into this show i truly believe it's going to be a good one and beneficial to anybody that is in the sports betting industry all right without further ado let's get into our show with mr adam chernoff from covers and the simple handicap now i'm very happy to welcome back a man who is a big part of the nfl betting market and one hell of a pool player, Mr. Adam Chernoff from the Simple Handicap at Covers.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Adam Chernoff. Adam, thanks for coming back on the show, and congratulations on going 5-0 on Sunday. I'll take it. I'll take the Monday night win as well. It was much needed after week one and two, which I think felt worse than they were, but it uh, was good to get on the right side of things for sure. Oh, for cer- certainly, man. And uh, it was an interesting, uh, definitely an interesting weekend. Uh, NFL, 
some tricky spots I fell into. You know, I uh, one of my losses was Washington, which I thought that uh, I, I thought they had a shot. I mean, it was a good spot for them, and they couldn't they couldn't catch them. And San Francisco kind of shit the bed with uh, a very rusty Jimmy G that night. So. Kind of, kind of <laughs> being generous, very, very generous, man. But that's how it went. Um, otherwise, it was a pretty good day for me. But uh, you know, it, it, coming into week four, it's so interesting. I mean, what we are seeing here, Adam, is cluster injuries galore, man. Didn't something just come out on Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, toe injury kept him out of practice today. Uh, I've I've seldom struggled like I've struggled this week with injuries. From my count, and this changes seemingly every ten minutes. Twenty five of the thirty two teams have what I would deem as meaningful injuries. And the problem is that outside of Mac Jones, I don't know if any of them are cluster injuries that like we're certain about or can lean one way or the other. Like what gets me this week is it's a lot of unknowns. And so volume has been very, very low because I've ended up in a situation where I've wanted to bet a lot of things the injuries have kept me from doing much whatsoever. Yeah, me too. I think I made my uh, some early plays on Sunday, and then I, the injury stuff stopped everything. And so I think this is the type of week for contests, especially where you wait till the very last minute and just find out exactly well, what's honestly, going on. Yeah, but I mean, we can see a lot of things change by Friday afternoon at this time. And it, what I'm noticing too that's – giving me some trouble is usually stuff tends to be for the most part priced in prior to the announcement. Like a good example last week with Justin Herbert was a miss, but there's been a couple different things in the last few weeks, this regular season, but in the preseason where the line movement hasn't matched up with where the injury reports are trending. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a lot of like late reactionary stuff that is hard to, sort of discern between what's actually priced in and isn't. And so, I mean, there's so many things this week. The Zach Wilson news barely moved it. That was something I didn't anticipate being as priced in as it was. It's a weird week all the way around. Yeah, very weird. And just going through the nuances of it, it's very hard for me to assign value Uh this early in the season in these situations too. So I guess we're going to have to kind of go one by one and just kind of see where we go. You got to do. Yep. And yep. Uh, it's Wednesday right now. And uh, you know, there's probably going to be a few leans from us, uh, hopefully some better information as the week comes. But I do want to ask you a, a question that's, you know, I've been thinking about the last two weeks really. Um, and it's about totals, Adam. Um, it's kind of funny because I think the whole preseason narrative was that the refs are being asked to focus on illegal contact. So people assumed that totals would go higher, not saying you or anybody, any names. I'm just saying kind of the market in general. But now you we're can saying names. It's okay. I don't mind. That. <laughs> I don't even remember. I don't even remember if I did, to be honest with you. But more importantly, um, it's, it's funny that these totals are down so much, even though People thought the illegal contact would uh, bring them up. What are your thoughts on how that all worked out so far this year? Uh, I think the miss on the illegal contact side of things was that as it was, even with a substantial uptick, it was the least called penalty of all the 12 or 13 that were on a list. It it was so insignificant that 
it probably if if it tripled or quadrupled or went up by an insane rate, it probably wasn't going to be super impactful as is. Um, what we're seeing so far through the first three weeks is the highest rate of zone coverage on a team by team basis that we've seen in, I believe it's ever. Uh, there was a timestamp on something from an article I read that dated it back. But uh, essentially, what this is leading to is relatively inefficient passing, a lot more variance with passing when you get into the red zone and teams not quite being able to figure out the run game. It's like the defensive shift has caught a lot of offenses off guard and there's now this kind of adjustment to try figure it out and we're seeing scoring at a 20-year low through the first three weeks in the NFL. So when we think about 2020, we were at nearly 50 points a game. Last year, that dipped to 47 and a half, and this year we're below 44. And so there's there's changes. But what I would say on top of that work that's been done is inside of the red zone this year, specifically inside the 10, games that I have watched have had more ridiculous drive-ending decisions, drive-ending plays. There's been so much variance inside the red zone, which is always a, a high point for that. But this year to me, the stuff that's been going on inside the tent at the end of drives has been incredibly random, more so than any year that I remember watching the start. And it's it's always unpredictable, but there's been so many weird plays and drives that end at the goal line that that's leading into some of this too. Yeah, maybe it's that lack of prep uh, in the preseason leading to this bad red zone efficiency situation, Adam. I, I would have expected that weather would have been a deterrent here to points, but I don't remember a lot of weather games the first three weeks either. It's just very it's 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 very interesting. Yeah, it's it's the defensive shift more than anything. I guess weather games we saw um, the Niners playing week one and one that was pretty significant. The Seahawks in week two, that was over on the West Coast in San Fran. Other than that, um, hasn't been a lot. This week, there's some disruption by weather, but I don't know what that's going to carry over onto Sunday. doesn't look like a whole lot. No, not right now. And obviously, we're thinking about everybody in Florida right now. Hopefully, uh, the yep. hurricane is not as bad as what's predicted and uh, everybody stays safe. So before we get into the slate of games, I do have a question on the Patriots here. This was a pretty big adjustment in a way. Um, I'll, I'll admit I was uh, fortunate enough to get the Packers early on um, on Sunday at eight and a half, and then now it went past the ten. And I have to kind of wonder how much I'm supposed to be going down from Mac Jones to Brian Hoyer the destroyer coming out into this game. I mean, it, it almost seems like I can see backdoor possibilities. Um, I, I'm glad I'm on the side of the line movement, but at what point do I consider a buyback? Okay, do we want to go Hoyer specifically, just neutral field, or do we want to go matchup specific? Because they're kind of two different things here. So which one do you want to tackle? Let's talk about Hoyer in Green Bay, because that's where it is. And so let's just go by the exact adjustment from Mac Jones down to him, and then you can touch on the matchup afterwards. All right. Um, I'll throw one at you. Do you think that the Pats with Hoyer are better or worse than the Chicago Bears? Better. So there's the reason for the movement because the Packers <laughs> closed the Packers closed ten and a half against the Bears Sunday night football week two. This line got up to eleven uh with the Pats and Hoyer. 
majority was 10 and a half, but there was peak of 11. That's the disagreement. Um, Part of it too is the total is so short at 40 and a half and the Packers are playing unbelievably slow relative to the offensive talent that they are perceived to have. And so you have a home team playing incredibly slow as a huge favorite that has a priority on running the football while they figure out things with their receivers matched up against a Patriots team that is being priced worse than the Chicago Bears were two weeks ago. That's really the full extent of it. Right, right. Okay. So, yeah, and I think the market's kind of coming back a little bit based upon what you said there. So that makes total sense. Um, Yeah, slow play, low total, that always screams dog. And so I I could see this coming back down to a 10. Uh, for sure, uh, at least late uh, by later this week. The question is, what's the generic number between, I guess, a, a Mac Jones to a, a Hoyer? I, I would say, f- I would say four and a half points. Uh, would I be off five, four and a half, five points? I a touch lower. Uh, I'd be at three and a half to four on a neutral against an average team. Okay. And so, I I don't. You're not far off with that guess. Okay. Okay. Good enough. Let's get into the NFL slate of games then, Adam. And we got a great game coming out for uh, Thursday night football. It's the Miami Dolphins versus the Cincinnati Bengals. We have a spread of minus four here, and I'll get to sharing my screen for the uh, situation here. Looking at the DraftKings total at 47. You know, you would think that maybe... This total would have been higher had these unders not been so hammered between these two types of teams. But, you know, last week I had a 52 on the over for Buffalo, and that thing closed about 55, and that thing didn't even happen. wasn't even close, really. Now, I missed this line, Adam. I I saw Cincinnati was 2.5 for a little while on Sunday, then 3, and I missed out on this one myself. Um, I, I guess I kind of blame myself for the fact that I'm always a little bit more careful when it comes to Thursday night football games and it requires a little extra thought on my behalf. But now you're sitting at a four here and to be honest with you, my power ratings are actually higher on Miami and I don't use power ratings as much as the season goes. I more go towards an algorithm type approach. But uh, I think this is a fair line right now, personally. What what are your thoughts on this? Okay, so as we go through these... For the really obvious stuff, I think we should just identify it and then maybe find reasons to disagree because it's a tough week, and I think there's interesting talking points on each. So the reason that this line has gone the direction it has, which is one-way money on Cincinnati, is because of a couple things. First, the Dolphins' week, which is a short week, was completely disrupted by the hurricane, so they missed a full day of practice. They had to travel in a different routine. They had to go a day early. The whole week for them is a mess. That's one. Two, which we've probably heard by now, a number of different spots. The Dolphins are on the field for 90 plays in 100-degree heat against the Buffalo Bills in a massive division game. I think maybe more telling on top of that is the fact that not only was it a massive game against Buffalo, but the week prior, a huge amount of effort, energy, emotion, whatever you want to call it, spent in that comeback against Baltimore. And so you kind of have this Dolphins team at a peak. Everyone wants to bet on this offense, 
but they have two just brutal games back to back. And now this situation of travel on the short week is tough. To me, where I would say it gets interesting is the Tua injury number one. This will be a recurring theme. We have no idea if he's playing or not or what the state of his health is. Might see Teddy Bridgewater, in which case this would go to seven. What I think is the interesting thing to look at here is people are jumping all over the Bengals, and I get it. But how good is this Bengals defense? Because the one thing I'm not hearing a lot this week is the Bengals defense so far this season played Mitch Trubisky making his first ever start for the Steelers. They played Cooper Rush making his first start for the Dallas Cowboys. And then they played Joe Flacco as a stand-in against the New York Jets. So this was a Bengals defense that nobody was relatively high on coming into the season. They're now in the top 10 for a lot of different categories. They've played nobody. They haven't looked particularly great in those games as is. And now they're playing the Dolphins offense, which is top in the league through three weeks, validated by decent competition on the other side. To me, that's the interesting point here. The big kicker is, is it Tua or not? And if it's Bridgewater, can this Bengals defense still hold up? So that, to me, is an interesting spot. I personally, depending what this total does and who we get at quarterback, um, kind of looking over in general, but I haven't bet anything. All right, now, fair enough. And uh, it's interesting all the, like you said, publicity that the whole Tua situation being wobbled and thrown back into the game. I mean, I was ready to tear my ticket up on Miami last week, and um, I knew I couldn't hedge because it was already factored in that he was probably not going to come back in live-wise. Sure. And uh, I was like, I can't believe he's back. I'm like, okay. So, so they're facing a lot of flack for that. But if he was good enough to get back into that game, I think it'd be worse almost for publicity wise for him to be out this one. It's like uh, almost like uh, they have to kind of stand for what they did. So I expect Tua to play this game. And I think this might be a touch too high. I'm not sure if I'm going to get involved because the spot for Miami is horrible. And uh, they have a a nice three and O start and uh, a big game coming up the following week. Let me ask you this. If the, if the line was, if the line was five, do you take Miami? No, not right now. Mm-mm. Nope. Yeah, wait, okay, if we knew two it was going to play and the line was five, would you take Miami? I probably would at least for a personal play, probably. Mm-hmm. If the line was three and we knew two it was going to play, would you still take Miami or would you take Cincinnati? Uh, probably Cincinnati. So the line's probably right at four. I think it's right at four. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> way to put it. It, it is correct yeah, at four. Exactly. Well, now with the NFL is going to London. And uh, you should use the old Jacksonville heading <laughs> this out, but uh, where are the Jags playing? You know, I'm, I'm seeing all these stats too on Twitter of taking out the Jags. Favorites are 18 and three, and it's just it's just fun to watch right now. But <laughs> you got the Vikings, um, very very Jekyll and Hyde uh, in different situations with uh, you know Kirk Cousins out of his element at home against the Saints team that's a little bit banged up at receiver. I don't, I, I don't know. If it's to the point where they have a cluster injuries at receiver, but right now it's uh, looking a little dangerous for Michael Thomas and Landry and 
probably a few others. Uh, it, oh, their uh, tight end Taysom Hill is also questionable, I believe. Adam, <laughs> it's, it's, it's <laughs> uh, this game's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. But here's the thing: Do you want? Should we wake up on the Pacific time at seven a.m. to watch this game, or or what do you think's going to come through for this? Uh, yeah, for this line. And to be honest with you, it's probably a pass for me right now, unless I know more about the Saints. It's sitting at three juice to the Vikings. You could have got a better number if you like the Vikings before, but I'm not really one to run to the window rentling uh away from home not necessarily road but away from home chalk with Kirk Cousins so it's officially on the injury report Jameis Thomas Landry Hill Kamara Ramchick and Pete so <laughs> Jeez. I, what is that eight offensive starters all uncertain now I I get the impression the majority of them will play versus not playing but Jameis doesn't look right at all. He's dealing with multiple fractures in their his back. Like, look, here's a starting quarterback in the NFL that's playing with a broken back. It doesn't make sense. Um, outside of the Bucks' fourth quarter and the Falcons' fourth quarter, the other games that quarters that the Saints have played, they've done nothing on offense. Uh, the majority of their scoring has come in those two fourth quarters. The, the other, it's been awful, and so you wonder how much of that is injury related, how much of that is the absence of Sean Payton, and now Carmichael not being able to sort of carry over that game planning week to week because it's all been slow starts, and when it's slow starts, it's more so on the coach and the OC and the game plan than it is on the team itself. Um, but this number went up because of the injury situation for the Saints. Now, what's interesting was, again, we go back to what is priced in and what is not. This was sort of like none of these guys being on the injury report are necessarily a surprise. And on Monday morning, there was a comment that it's very likely that Thomas is going to be able to go. And so this line, despite Minnesota being considerably healthier, it never took money. On Monday, never took money on Tuesday. It was only today as the injury report came out. And what happened was the Saints have already gone to London. The Vikings haven't. And so the Saints practiced at like 7 in the morning, my time, mountain time zone. But this, the Vikings weren't. So the report that was published by all the beat reporters just showed the Saints with this massive list of injuries. But the Vikings was blank because they haven't reported yet. So it mm -hmm. was this weird kind of like, offsetting view of both injury reports that I don't think was like a true reflection because the Vikings have issues too. Uh, but we just never saw it in the side-by-side -side photo. And so that caused the move to three. I don't know if it holds there. If all these guys miss, of course it'll go up, but this is another interesting one for sure with injuries. Very interesting. And I was surprised to see Jameis on there as well. Yeah. If Thomas plays, it helps for sure. But, um, you know, got Taysom Hill's a pretty big part of this offense, and I don't like the way they started either. If you look at the uh, turnovers, the Saints are dead last in turnover margin right now. So you can look at that as a good thing for some teams sometimes, like if it's fumble. But when it comes to Jameis Winston, it's <laughs> a lot of times it's interceptions. So yeah, uh, something to think about. This could be a, a big contest play for people if all these injuries hold and this number comes out still at a three. So we'll see what happens. When that all lines up, let's move on. Jacksonville versus the Eagles. And this is an interesting spread. It's 
minus six and a half to the Eagles, and I'm a little surprised it's actually got a little juice on it. It was seven for a touch, and then it came back, but this is like, I mean, you can say this is the Doug Peterson revenge game, but we we, we had the Carson Wentz revenge game that didn't really work out for us last week, and uh, I don't know. It, it, I'm going to be honest with you. I did make a play on Jacksonville, and I'm upset that it's going against me. I'm thinking I made a bad uh, timing to the market just because there's money coming in here. But the way I look at it is that, you know, both these quarterbacks, you know, test pretty well, pretty equal in EPA plus uh, completion percentage over expectation if you look at those numbers. If you look at their offensive and defensive EPA, they're both almost equal. Now you can say Jacksonville's strength of schedule hasn't been that great, and you, you know, I guess Joe Blow might say they lost to the Washington Commanders and the, the Eagles beat them. You know, I, I don't know how many people still handicap like that. Hopefully, not a lot. But um, in this situation here, I can just see a very motivated Jacksonville team because I believe they do like their coach in this situation. But the question is. I don't trust a lot of my metrics on the Eagles yet, Adam, because the whole second half of their games, they've been in coast mode. They haven't had to do nothing, which has probably hurt some of their stats, but I still liked it at six and a half. My pure number on this, if I was making the book, is five and a half. What are your thoughts on this one? If it, if it was five and a half, would you take the Eagles? No. I, if I was making the book, I would put it at five and a half. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I don't know if the Eagles piling up all their stats in the first half is a bad thing. I, I think that shows how good of a team they are. Exactly. Um, and, and I know what you mean because people will look at the numbers like that and they'll say, well, they, they didn't have to do anything and they're just, well, yeah, because they were up 20. <laughs> so, like, that's a team you want to be betting on. The top, they're, interesting thing here, both of these teams, the only, there's four teams so far through three weeks that are top 10 both offense and defense, EPA per play, four and allowed. These are two of the four. Uh, I think Jacksonville would surprise a lot of folks being in there. I I don't know what to make of this because I both of these teams get bet every single week by pros. Like, they're two clear bet on teams. I don't disagree with that in any way. The Eagles quietly, like you mentioned, despite having to coast in the second half, so many of these games, they're second in net yards per play through three weeks despite that. And that looks at every play from all four quarters in every game. There's no filtering up for garbage time in that. And so that just shows how dominant they've been. But again, you said it well. Like, Can you trust either of these teams to be as good as they look because of the opponents that they've played and they're now facing off against each other? I'm having a hard time sorting that out. And where I guess I struggle is at... At six and a half, I can't look to Jacksonville, but if this was on the other side of seven at seven and a half, I certainly would. And so it's one of those, like, how I don't think there's a substantial edge here either way. Right. Tough one. Uh, it, it, that's fair. So I guess if this stat is accurate, the Eagles are allowing 5.4 yards per carry, and that's just a very old general stat five yards per rush if Jacksonville can keep it close and keep the pressure on maybe that maybe there is a rushing advantage there but no teams have been able to do it yet because they've been in pass mode on the back of their heels playing against yep. the Eagles while they're coasting and that's what did scare me is that the Eagles don't have second half stats and when that usually happens that means they're kind of like 
like for example, one of those Alabama teams where people can't power rate them high enough because exactly. their their yeah. their numbers really are uh, lower than what they truly are. All right, well, I'm going to stake with the six and a half and kind of. Uh, I still like it, but we'll see what happens. Let's move on to Buffalo versus the Baltimore Ravens. And this is at minus three right now at minus 105 on DraftKings. The total of this game is high. It's at 51.5. Lots of injuries in the secondary for Buffalo. And the Ravens kind of have injuries, I would say, speckled all over their team a little bit. Some are in the secondary, but definitely your offensive line got a, took a hit. Their running backs are always injured. But here's the thing. I made a play on Buffalo, Adam, and um, I made it at the minus three, and it came back down. It actually went up to four for a little bit in some books. It was at three and a half for a while, and it came back down. Now, the, now here's my problem. I, I do see a path to victory for the Ravens. You know, if you even look at next gen stats, the uh, Lamar Jackson is number two in uh, intended air yards. And if that's the case and he's free in that pocket because of the way Buffalo plays defense, and if their cornerbacks are beinged up in their secondary, I could see those deep balls going to Bateman, Duvernay, and, uh, you know, even Andrews and them having a field day against Buffalo's secondary if Lamar doesn't get sacked. Well, Lamar doesn't get sacked. That's my problem with the play I made. I'm not necessarily regretting it. Buffalo's, I guess, in a good spot after doubling the Miami's yards and you know wanting to come back and make a statement. I kind of felt at first that this would be a game similar to what Cincinnati did to Baltimore last year. I think Baltimore's a little fraudulent, minus Lamar Jackson, so that's why I made the play. But... I can see the spread coming back against me. What are your thoughts on this one? I'm sitting here listening to what you're saying, but I'm blown away by this tab situation. How do you navigate that? How, first of all, how many does it tell you how many tabs you have open in the browser? <laughs> I probably should have hit the F11 key and hid that. I uh, have you know a, how many are open. I have this is an unbelievable amount of tabs. I usually have 50 tabs open on each screen, so. Um, I, 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 but how do you know which is which? You can't even see the words on them. I'm used to it, man. This is covers. I mean, this is a sure dog for UFC. We got team rankings oh right here. I, I, I'm, I'm very used to it, Adam. I, I guess uh, when you sit in front of a computer all day, it's almost like uh, you can almost do it while you're blind. Incredible. Um, that's really threw me off. Who do you think is better, Miami or Baltimore? Uh, Miami or Baltimore? Yeah. Miami. Okay, so the Bills on the road at Miami closed five last week. There are now three on the road in Baltimore. So that there's kind of there's the whole viewpoint of why when this got up higher, uh, maybe there was a lot of disagreement with that. But there's there's a difference in power ratings. I think of how people are treating the, the Dolphins and the Ravens and who's believing what because. You're essentially saying that this line versus last week where the injuries for the Bills are essentially similar in both cases, even with the Bills' loss, this is still saying that the Ravens are two points better than the Dolphins. And so there's I, I that initial move on, on Buffalo, I think, was disagreement with that being the case. Yes. And um, that's really the extent of what we're looking at. The The one thing I would say here from a matchup perspective, Lamar has been the MVP in my mind through three weeks so far in the league. You're probably putting Allen second. Um, but Lamar's done a lot of his damage against teams blitzing him. 
the Bills showed in week one against the Rams, they don't need to blitz to play effective defense. The ideal game plan for Buffalo would be to not blitz Lamar and sit back. But now with the injury situation, are they going to be able to do that? Because and that kind of goes back and forth in that perspective where it's like this is a defense that could, but can they now with so many names on the injuries? This is a good question. How many points are you giving the injuries to Bill have? I'll do the host part of this asking the question here because I saw it. I don't know because they play so much zone defense and so much of it is coaching-based and scheme-based that it's not really like a, a situation where you're missing that one shutdown corner in a system that's playing a lot of man or man in front of cover two or any – like it's so team-based – that they kind of are able to disperse that responsibility. And so they almost negate that. I think pricing the Bills' defensive injuries is a very difficult thing to do. I do too. I, I, I know who bet the Bills. You bet them as well. There was a very sharp group to bet them Monday morning. That pushed it to four and a half. There was a very sharp group that took the four and a half. It's like we're locked in in this range. I'm, I'm kind of surprised it got back to the flat three. Tough one. Again, th- this is a brutal week. You had me on on a tough week here. <laughs> I know. That's why I had to bring in the big guns, Adam. You know, um, I would say the answer to that question is hard because, the like you said, the Bills get to the quarterback, which relieves pressure off of their secondary anyway. I mean, I've seen the Ravens do that for years by living off their blitz, and you never really know how good the secondary is if it's getting past three seconds and the quarterback gets opened. And then Patrick Mahomes kind of came in there and showed them how bad they were a couple different times too. So it's a tough question. I think the Bills will get to Lamar. I think they're smart enough to contain him and take out the middle of the field, so I'm going to stand by this play. But it is just so fascinating talking about this situation and I would not bet the under in this game it's over the key number of 51 by a half point for a reason and, and I still would not even come close to that I'd be opposite there where I wouldn't want any part of the over but I, I don't okay. think the total that far off but with the bills I, I truly believe last week was kind of planned on their part to slow things down as much as they did to protect that secondary not knowing sort of what it might look like uh, i think it's a similar situation here they did sign xavier rhodes we'll see if he has anything left in the tank <laughs> <laughs> i'd be surprised if they throw him out to the dogs this tough, early tough game. Tough game. <laughs> Very tough. here's another tough game it's the seahawks versus the uh oh, Det- boy. The- <laughs> I- i'm gonna pass it's it's four and a half i'm passing here uh the lions have too many injuries right now and uh, the Seahawks have a really beat up secondary and I, I mean I I don't like their quarterback I, to be honest with you it's like I was like thinking kind of like in the Lions when it was five and a half then it went down to five and I'm like why do I like the Lions if the market's going against me and so I'm very I, I'm gonna pass and you're, you're welcome to pass if you want Seahawks are nothing but that's not a endorsement of betting the Seahawks I'm not Laying five with the Lions. The Seahawks probably have the worst defense in football. The Lions are not that far ahead. And so to lay a number with, with that team is, is tough when it's this big. All right. Well, here's a much better game the Commanders versus the Cowboys. Thank God this is a fun one to talk about. 
you know, I was at a, I was at a kid's party. Um, one of my uh, friend's uh, two-year-olds on Monday night, and uh, it was it was at Chuck E. Cheese, which didn't have TVs. And I kind of told him, it's like, next time you have a kid party, go to Peter Piper. They got the Monday night football on. But at the same time, I wasn't really missing the fact that uh, th- 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 this uh, Cowboys-Giants game was happening because it was a pretty ugly game to watch, especially in the first half. But to be honest with you, that's kind of what I think about both of these teams. I think the, the commanders are an absolute mess. And they are very injured now, too. But at what point are they sitting there at 0-3? And what point do they have to have that big game coming in? The Cowboys are laying a little bit of juice, minus 3, minus 115, total ugly at 42.5. Have at it. I don't don't know (laughs) if they have to have a good game. This is a, a terrible team especially on defense. Uh, people might listen to this and say, oh, the commander's in the pass rush. And no, th- this is a bottom five defense through and through. This They're not stopping anybody. My, my struggle here is I would love to bet against Washington any way that I can. I don't know if I want to be laying more than the field goal with the Cowboys. Now, they are going to be getting back Michael Gallup, I would expect for this game. He was very close to going last week. You'll probably get 30 to 35 snaps from him. Dalton Schultz, still an unknown, but I I mean, I I like what I'm seeing from Rush so far, being very decisive, getting the ball out, willing to push it downfield. Now, again, though, it's just at the price point that it's at. Like, if if this is less than a field goal, I'm thrilled to take the Cowboys. I, I probably need to be comfortable betting Washington. I mean, you're going to need four and a half, five, but if you're laying three and a half with the Cowboys at home, you're not getting that big of an edge either way. So it's another one of these games where it's unfortunately kind of been adjusted into the right spot. Dallas are nothing for me at this number, but it's it's awfully thin at this point uh, where it is at three and a half. The more I look at this injuries, and this is just the ESPN report, we have to remember that Chase Young's been out anyway. So they're already down one big guy before the season even started. Look at this. You got their second string guys are out, you know. Mathis has been out on injured reserve. It's it, it, this tells me that the Cowboys should run all over this team. You know, that almost makes me like them at the 3, right? Washington is a horrible football team. Um, <laughs> this is they are they're not Seattle or Chicago bad, but they're close. I don't know, man. They might get they are getting close with that uh, with that injured list too. And uh, maybe instead of the Commanders, they should have just added horrible the Washington horrible football team, just like you okay. said. We'll leave okay. it like that. <laughs> if it was four, would you take Washington? No, no, I would not. Five? How no. high do you have to go? Six and a half. Okay, so it's it's a Dallas or nothing type of game. Yeah, and I'll pro- and I'll and when this report comes through, I will probably well, I'd have to be pretty quick to the market here. Um, I'll, I'll probably play Dallas, but we'll see if I can get some information um, earlier. And obviously, this is it could be a contest play if nothing else. You know, if uh, let's say yep. it goes to three and a half, four, you didn't get it in time, you, you might still be lucky enough to get a three. But I'd be shocked if the contest even keep it at three. I think they're going to move it up at two. Vince, Vince Vegas, why is the line not seven? It can't be seven because everyone would be betting on Washington. <laughs> um, and also, yes, they're at home, but home field in Dallas is not worth four and a half points. So 
I think that's that's a pretty clear answer. And let's not forget that this is a Cowboys team starting a backup quarterback, missing their arguably best wide receiver. And yeah, it it can't ever be seven. Yeah, because they got some tall receivers, and you at least have a quote unquote starting quarterback with Wentz. I mean, Dotson's fantastic. Uh, McClellan's very good. Uh, who's the other guy? Samuel. So they they still have skill there. You know, it's just it, yeah, going against the second string. There no way. If it was seven, I'd be all over it. If you started a franchise today, and your choices at QB were Cooper Rush or Carson Wentz, who would you pick? <laughs> uh, whoever I can pay less. <laughs> Money's not an option. Who do you pick on this spot? You pick Carson Wentz, but um, it's uh. You know, it's it's funny because Cooper Rush is not he he's he's got a nice little home in Dallas. He's got something going for him. I don't think he's going anywhere farther. Okay. And then if you have to pick a head coach, Mike McCarthy or Ron Rivera. Ron Ron Rivera all day. Okay. So you're already you're but as we talked this out, you're skewing coaching QB towards Washington. And then I think you like Washington skill guys better. Yes, but they're off but their defensive line won't they won't be on the field. Washington will have like twenty three minutes of possession based upon the fact that their defensive line is nothing and all they need to do is run into Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott all day. It's a complete matchup situation for me. So that doesn't sound like a recipe to cover a three-and-a-half-point spread. No, no, no. It, it could it, co- it, it could cover three. I mean, it could. It, if you're talking the Dallas side, I think that I think it can cover all the way up to six possibly, and obviously these right. injuries have to hold. What, do you, what about you? Uh, again, like... I can't I I can't bet Washington at this number, but laying it with Dallas seems like it's it's a tricky one. Again, Dallas or nothing, but there's not enough here to really get me comfortable with Dallas at three and a half. Hey, that's fair. That's fair enough. Let's move on to the Chargers versus the Texans. And the Texans are plus five and a half at home now. This was four and a half for a little bit. Some Charger money came in. I think it's because of their receiver um, is supposed to play now, Adam, right? Uh, Keenan Allen should be on the field, yeah. Yeah, I think that move might have been based upon that. You can tell me more. But they also lost Joey Bosa, and they lost Rayshon Slater, maybe their best offensive lineman. Betting on the Chargers on the road is straight ugly, but yet I don't like Lovey Smith. I... It made me stay away from betting the Texans last week. I was considering making a play on the Texans. I'm glad I didn't. Um, the Texans are better than the Bears on my power ratings, but not by much. But going into this game, the Chargers have the ability, and they have a lot of talent. Can they make up for the big injury there? And uh, how healthy is Herbert? Because my whole play on Jacksonville plus seven last week was based upon a free roll that Herbert wasn't that healthy. Well, he played last week. He made some long passes, but he wasn't exactly taking off running the ball, and he didn't look all that healthy to me. So I'm going to lean the Texans and see what you got to go with this one. The Chargers have a QB that can't comfortably take a deep breath. They're without their best center. They're without one of their best offensive linemen. Their best wide receiver is questionable. Their best pass rusher is going to be out, and they're missing their best cornerback. And Now they're laying five on the road against Houston, who might be the worst team in football. Pass. <laughs> pass. Pass. It's five and a half for a reason here. Like, <laughs> I don't seven was probably too high, and I get it, but nobody was betting seven because they feel like 
the rating was off. They were betting seven because they were concerned that the injuries were going to be worse than they were. And now as they get slightly better, we're seeing this number go back the other way. It's not going to get back to seven unless there is just a huge change of health and fortune for the Chargers. But at this point, Good luck making a case at this number. Yeah, good luck. Absolutely. I'm I'm not going to make any move right now on this and uh, probably be off the game by Sunday anyway. Titans versus the Colts, and the Colts are laying minus three right here at minus 115. The total is 42.5. The Titans have done well against the Colts in the past. I am more down on the Titans than I even was last year, and I think I was even... I don't even think the Titans got in my top eight or nine teams last year. I, I just, the Colts, for some reason, weren't gelling right away. And then, then all of a sudden, last game, they did what they had to do to beat the, the Kansas City Chiefs. But let's face it, the Kansas City should have won that game. They were missing field goals. They There's just look bad efficiency. I think the Colts were very fortunate. And I'm really... Wondering what's going on with Matt Ryan. He looks like the Carson Wentz on the Colts last year to me right now. And, I mean, if Darius Leonard is back, and I know this for a fact, Adam, I think I would lean the Colts if not play them. What are your thoughts? (laughs) These aren't getting easier as we go. (laughs) Um, They're not. So... We came on the air and Taylor got put on the injury report with a toe injury that was never reported in mispractice today. Is that a toe injury giving him a day off or is that a toe injury that's actually a toe injury? Quite honestly, I haven't had the time because we've been on air to look to see what the truth is. If he's out, this offense is working without a clue right now, which goes completely against everything I thought this team would be. I want no part of the Titans. But we're in this spot again. This is just like the Washington-Dallas game. I, I, I want no part of betting on Washington, but I want no part of betting on Tennessee. But at this number, it's probably right at three and a half. I'm becoming the most boring podcast guest of all time, but it's just this is probably the right price. Don't worry. You're not. I mentioned even before this that there's just so much stuff up in the air, but what we're doing is just kind of showing people how we try to discern things. So I think that's very valuable. Um, let's let, but let's, let's look at this one. If it's four and a half, I think we're both probably saying, well, the Colts haven't done anything. They should have lost last week. they still have a lot of injury concerns. And now Taylor's on the injury report. Maybe we should look at the Titans. And then the flip side, if it was at three, we're probably saying, well, the Colts could get Leonard back and the Colts, have Taylor on the injury report, but he could start. And this team was way better than we thought coming in. Why haven't they shown up? Now it's a big game. They have to win. Let's take the Colts at three. Now it's at three and a half, and it's probably the right number. Yeah, and Lou, Tennessee's beat up too. Bud Dupree, um, Ola Adeniyi, is that how you say his name? Uh, he's out with the linebacker there. And Taylor- the crippling injury, the crippling injury for them was Landry at the start of the year. Yes, yes, exactly. So I, I agree. This is ugly, and it's hard to lay points with the Colts too right now. And with Matt, sure. Matt Ryan hasn't showed me enough yet. Probably a probably a pretty solid line here. And uh, um, someone asking a must win for the Chargers. I hate using the word must win. 
Um, I think they, if they want to keep the media off them, yeah, yeah, you, you win this game, you know. But uh, uh, I mean, they should they should approach every game like they need to win it, especially against the Texans. I think the Texans could say it's a must win too, right, Adam? It, yeah, I mean, there's there's some situational truth to that for LA, but this is yeah, it's big for both sides for sure. All right, let's move on to the next game. Then and we have the oh here's another great one for you you're gonna love I know that. where you're going Giants Bears yes yes Giants yeah. Bears baby oh I can I can do this in five seconds do it the Leonard Williams is huge because the Bears have given up on passing they're running more than any team we've seen in years if he's not in we saw what the Cowboys did the Bears can run it's it's Giants or nothing depending on the report but can you lay more than the field goal with the Giants. It, it's just like Washington, Dallas, and just like Tennessee, Indy. You, nobody should be running to bet the Bears, but the Giants are like the one of the few teams you don't want to bet on laying a price. Okay, well, let me ask you this then. And you helped me over the fence with the simple handicap last week on the over in the Bears-Texans game. Now, it, it took a while. It was trending much more over the first half then all of a sudden it got a little dicey coming in the second half but I agreed with it because I don't think the Bears defense is any good they can't stop the run they're they're not good against the pass either I see the Giants possibly getting Kadarius Tony back but if the Bears are going to be able to put yards in I look at Justin Fields as a very erratic quarterback like he's going to throw a pick six here and there, just trying to make a play so if you like the Bears versus the Texans over last week why wouldn't you like the Bears versus the Giants over at close to the same number, 39 and a half right here? Um, I, I can't make a case. I, I'm not betting the under. Um, the, the reason I really liked that game last week was because the schedule both ways kind of worked in favor of the Houston offense being a little bit suppressed. And then the Bears defense, they were bailed out by weather, which could have made things look a lot worse. And then I don't think that the Packers' pace necessarily reflected how many points could be put up on this team. And even the Texans last week, they had to pick in the end zone. They had another stalled drive. That 20 could have looked a little bit bigger as well. So, again, over or nothing, but nothing I've bet yet. But this would be one I certainly have circled. Yeah, I'm t- I took the over 38.5. It's at 39.5. It's just one of those situations where I think there's going to be desperation at the end. The Giants' offense looked bad, uh, or pretty bad at least, against a very good, you know, a good Cowboys defense. This is a good defense, and uh, they're kind of relying on their defense now. I also think the Giants are a little bit banged up. Um, I believe in their secondary. That Williams injury is significant. Yeah, uh, if he's in, that really hinders the Bears' offense. Yeah, in in Aaron Robinson. Justin Lane, Nick McLeod, all corners that are all questionable. I'm kind of hoping one of them maybe doesn't make it in, but um, I, that's kind of my case that I'm going to make for the over, and it did move in my direction, at least from my initial number, but all podcasts are based upon the current numbers that they're offered. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still like the over to 41, I think, in this situation. Okay. Let's move on. To another wonderful game, the Jets versus the Steelers. I, I almost feel like I'm screwing everybody here. Uh, the Jets and the Steelers. The Steelers are three and a half points right here. Flat minus 110. Ugly old total of 42. Now, I'll tell you this. I almost bet the Jets, Adam. Um, 
I'm gonna and I, I I'm thinking this is gonna go to three. I'm not I came in with hopes on Mitch, but he has showed me that he still can't check down worth the crap. He looks like he slowed down a little bit even when he tried to escape the pocket a couple times. It's the Jets have to do something here. Now you said there's some Zach Wilson news that he might be playing this game, so I'm gonna let you have at it. Yeah, Wilson will start for the Jets. So he says he's 100% and he'll be ready to go. So there's no more Flacco. Where, I mean, this is, again, it's it's tough. Jets have played the Ravens, the Browns, and the Bengals. Every game so far has been against this division. They now wrap it off with the Steelers. Every team within the North has a relatively decent defense. This is probably going to be no exception. And so I think to some extent... Um, the Jets offense could look better with Wilson. I don't know how big the immediate jump is because it's not like this is going to be an easy scheme for him to play against. So I think it, it definitely has to come off of the three and a half. That's a big number to be laying for the Steelers. But at the same time, it's kind of a drop down in weight class, so to speak, for the Steelers as well. Uh, when you think about the games that they've played, Played against the Bengals week one, the Pats week two, and the Browns week three. So there's a lot of crossover here that you can kind of look at. Like they haven't played. This will be the easiest defense they've faced all season by far. So maybe the Steelers all of a sudden look a little bit better too. So again, it's a it's a tough one. There's there's nothing here that I'm look, jumping out to me either one way or the other. I think the price is right. Yeah, their offensive line's so bad without George Fant. Um and Dwayne Brown, and of course the Mackay Beckham injury early. Um, Jets generate no pressure, so it's like where is this finally the Steelers breakout offense game? It's a tough one. Yeah, it is a tough one. No, good stuff. Let's move on to the next game. Then we have the Cleveland Browns versus the Atlanta Falcons. Now this is a little bit better of a game, I think. Maybe just a little bit. I know it's the Browns, but I actually been somewhat impressed by what the Browns have done, even though their strength of schedule has been pretty easy. Um. You know, uh, they're, they're laying minus one, and it looks like this line has been moving towards the Atlanta Falcons here. I'm a little surprised by that. I mean, they played – so when they played the Rams, the Rams had them dead nuts in the water, and then they a couple crazy fluke plays, they get back into the game, then it took uh, their star cornerback, uh, uh, Revis – not Revis uh, – I, don't know, I forgot his name. Rams cornerback. I'm going to make you struggle to pull the name out of the back of your mind here because I know exactly <laughs> who you're talking about. Right, but he made that play at the end zone. Ramsey. 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 I, I, think, I was making you sweat there a little bit. I got to think old Roman. Ramsey. Ramsey. Okay. Well, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> he played like a, a gladiator that game and got that interception and stopped the Falcons from winning. But I thought the Falcons were fraudulent there. And then I was on the Falcons teaser against the Seahawks because I really think the Seahawks are one of the worst three teams in the league. And I think the Falcons have some life, but it's Mariota here. But the line moved towards the Falcons. What's wrong with the Browns? Is it their strength of schedule that people hate? Is it still Jacoby Brissett that's kind of proven that he's done pretty well? I'm going to give you a strong lean to the Browns uh, until I hear your piece. Um, I'll, I'll throw six teams at you. Miami, Kansas City, Buffalo, Baltimore, Philadelphia, Jacksonville. Would you say that those are good teams or bad teams? I would definitely say they're great teams, almost minus the Jacksonville. Maybe I'm not sure about them yet, but so so the Falcons are right in that group for offensive production through three weeks on a per play basis. 
So that's how sneaky good this Atlanta offense has been. Where this becomes tricky is, is guess who's team number eight in that category? Uh, Cleveland, Brown. Cleveland Browns. There you go. You look at a net yards per play, very important stat. Both of these teams dead even in that regard. So you you have these two sneaky offenses playing against each other that I don't think the perception overall matches just how good they've been. You have two teams sort of dead even in net yards per play. What do we have to point spread at? One point favorite are the Cleveland Browns, and the over has been bet up four and a half points by this time of the week. Again, it's another situation where kind of everything that you would think is the advantage to take from how these two teams have played has been entirely priced into this market. It's a brutal week. Nothing. It's just I wish it was standing out. If this is if this is not on the a one or a pick'em, um, I mean, it's there's a clear side to take. Whoever's getting the points, but here we are with it priced right, and then it's like, okay, well, why don't you bet the over? Well, it's moved four and a half points, and we're now looking at this game as the second highest total on the board. And it's almost to the point where, like you said, it's Mariota versus Brissette. We're looking at nearly a 50-point total, which is right comparable to Lamar versus Allen, which is that which is a point and a half higher. And so, yeah, tough one. Well, here's the thing. I, what I will say about Atlanta versus the Rams, the Rams play a massive cover two when they're up. And that's why you saw Arizona drive down the field two or three times at the end. I'm sitting there holding my Rams minus three and a half. You know, I was one of the few on that side, but I was always holding my fingers because I knew they were in cover two and I knew that they would have to tighten up when it came down. Well, they did the same thing against the Falcons, but it all just kind of bit them a little bit more. Sure. So I think a lot of these yards are fake. I think a lot of these Falcons situational yards are against the Saints at home. The Saints have not showed to be all that good themselves on defense or offense, and then obviously against one of the worst teams in the league against Seattle. I thought they should have even done better against Seattle's secondary. So I'm really strong leaning the Browns here. So Uh, I I don't entirely agree with that, but what I will say is of the two performances so far on both of these teams, the – I would probably lean towards the Browns being more sustainable, like or more more real. I would say I'd lean that way, but I wouldn't I wouldn't discount what the Falcons have done offensively. No, fair enough. Um, Vince says over. I wouldn't go over in this game. I would. I could. Well, see I would have went over Sunday night, but <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. right. We're long gone there. Yeah, yeah, long gone. Let's move on to the. Cardinals versus the Panthers. The Panthers are sitting at a short favorite here, minus one and a half. Book's not really protecting their teasers, at least DraftKings isn't. Uh, a lot of offshore we don't do, but you know you could tease this game being such a low total under 443. My, my thoughts on this one, I think that Cardinals are just Kyler Murray and just a bunch of garbage almost minus, and J.J. Watts, J.J. Watt, but they, they lost a lot. Zayvon Collins is injured now. Um, the Panthers, Baker Mayfield is the only quarterback that ranks lower than Justin Fields for EPA and completion percentage over expectation. It just blows my mind how bad he's looked. Um, ugly game, probably a teaser. Anything on this one? If it was, if it was three for the Panthers, would you back the Cardinals? If it was three for the Panthers minus three, would I back the Cardinals? Yeah, probably. It wouldn't be an easy bet, but probably. 
if this was if this was a pick 'em, are you in on the Panthers? Not right now. Okay, <laughs> this is this is how the week's going. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I will say I don't know how bad the Cardinals are. Um, if we're gonna give them a break, they played the Chiefs with nobody. They were as injured of a team. We talked about teams with injuries. That week one game against Kansas City, that was as injured of a team both sides as we'll see all season. Like the Cardinals were decimated. Um, they weren't much better health wise the next week against the Raiders, and they by all means should have lost that game a couple different ways. They end up winning an OT. So you kind of get like the break there. And then they played the Rams, who we kind of think are one of the better seven to eight teams in the NFL. So they played the Chiefs, which are a top three team. They played the Rams, who are a top seven to eight team, I think is a widely consensus agreement. And then they played the Raiders. I'm having trouble pricing the Raiders. That's probably still an average team. Now there's a big drop-off to quality of opponent in playing the Panthers, who have looked horrible. And as you mentioned, have a quarterback in Mayfield that's significantly worse. And so not this is their easiest opponent all the way around this year. This is their easiest quarterback they've faced. This is their easiest group of receivers and skill players they've faced. So there's definitely that working in their favor. Hate to keep going back to this, but the number's probably right. You know, let's hype up the game a little bit. This is the Oklahoma Sooner Lincoln Riley challenge with Kyler Murray versus ah, Baker yep, Mayfield. Yep, so good there, call you there. there you uh, go. Well, we got, good guy. Got, got something right for the networks to use right there, my man. Yep. <laughs> let's move into the Patriots versus the Packers. We already touched on the Patriots versus the Packers. I have nothing more to say. It's nine and a half, though, so I will say it is moving back down a little bit here. Um, I just think that. Uh, I would probably still play the Packers at nine and a half. I did grab them at eight and a half, knowing the line was going to move. But apparently, a lot of people agreed with what you said there. This was ten and a half, and this moved back down. And uh, people say, yes, the Patriots are better than the Bears. We are going to move this line down. Uh, we're going to hit it at ten and a half, ten, and all the way down to nine and a half. Any thoughts on the current? Yep, that's. No, well, I think we summed it up well. All right, let's move on to Denver Broncos versus the Raiders. Bron- the Raiders are minus two and a half, and the total is 45.5. The Raiders 0 and 3. You know, it, I know that McDaniels had a uh, meeting with the team or with the owner, probably with the team multiple times. I mean, I can't imagine them having no effort here, but at the same time, I, I, the Denver Broncos are more talented than the Ravens and or the, than the Raiders, and I believe they have the better quarterback in Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's been a little Jekyll and Hyde with me. I teased the Broncos already with another team. So um, I, I, that's where I stop. I think that this is going to be a close game. What are your thoughts? I <laughs> I mean, this is becoming an all-time low appearance. How can the number be anything else than what it is? No, um, the situation for the Raiders is as big of a play-up spot as you're going to get. This is the entirety of their season on the line. This is very – it's probably, for McDaniels, the turning point on whether or not he stays coach long team. Because you drop to 0-4, the Raiders within that division and how their schedule plays out are going to just be in a battle to get anywhere close to 500. With that offensive talent, it's, it's going to be tough. Um, the Broncos lose – a key piece in the middle of their defensive line. So potentially the weakness of the Raiders to date as their O line gets a little bit of a reprieve here, but 
the, I, I don't know what the Broncos are at this point whatsoever. I do confidence ratings every week for the offensive and the defensive units. I have the lowest I can rate the confidence on both sides because I still think that with the talent, this offense could be well above average. Right now it's playing to one of the lowest levels in the league, which I don't think is true either. And then defensively, it's incredibly erratic. Um, brutal game here in terms of betting. Brutal game. This feels like that Eagles game from last year when they went into Vegas and they weren't even in the game and Vegas beat the heck out of them. It's like sure. you, never, yep. you never know what you're going to get from the Raiders. They are my crutch, yep. and I, I got to stay away from them. Uh, I did Very high-variance team for me. I, I don't mind teasing the other side, going past the key numbers, but that's where I'm going to stand. Chiefs versus Buccaneers. Another massively injured team. So the Bucs had cluster injuries on their offensive line as well as uh, the receivers, a little bit on defense. The Chiefs, very, uh, very weird team. Uh, you know, it's without Tyreek Hill, they show up really good one week. And then last week, their kicker is out, their main kicker. And then they just had to fire the next guy. So usually in these situations when the kicker's bad, they're going to go for it on fourth a lot, which makes you wonder, it almost makes you push you towards the over when that happens. You know, you you can give up good field position or you're going to score a touchdown. You know, it's uh, kind of interesting the way you approach this game. I think that Tampa was a teaser leg if you can get them at the plus one and a half. But um, another situation, Adam, where you're probably not going to have a great opinion. So it's actually... In, I think we think about Kansas City in such a weird way because the expectations are always so high that even through three weeks when they rank number two in offensive EPA per play, they're number three in net yards per play, their success rate for offensive plays down to down ranks only behind the Miami Dolphins. We're like, everything's broken with this team, nothing works. And then they're like second or third in the league. Last year they finished number one in yards per drive, points per drive. They did everything right. But the general viewer is going to say that they had a really bad year offensively because just the expectations don't match what we're seeing because of how different defenses are playing them. The one thing that I would say really stands out to me from the Chiefs so far is up front in the front seven, and we never talk about a Chiefs defense, has been as good as any team in the league through three weeks. They have been incredible up front. When we think about the weakness of the Buccaneers right now, it is the offensive line. They're down to their third-string left tackle, their second-string center. It's beat up across the board. It's like the Chiefs' advantage in this game is their defense against this Tampa Bay offensive front. Now, it's probably going to look a little bit different for the Bucs because, to me, what they did in the first half against the Cowboys, before the injuries in that game started mounting, and then, of course, there was the suspension to Evans. Julio hasn't played since. Gage has been in and out. They, they've had a mess of injuries. Everything this week points to all of the skill guys being back on the field. And so, to me, what I saw the Bucks do the first half in the opener against the Cowboys was really impressive because Brady gets the ball out so quick, but they have so many of these skill guys with so much speed. Like, the scheme that they had was really good. So... Yeah, the Chiefs are going to have a big pass rush advantage. But if there's a QB and a scheme that you want to bet to negate that pass rush, 
it's probably Brady and these guys along with maybe one or two other teams in the league that you would rank in that spot. So an interesting back and forth here. Again, it's, it's probably priced right. Um, no real difference in what I'm seeing between where I'd make it and what this number is. The Bucks have taken money all week, slowly but surely. I think that's that's probably indicative of how competitive this game will be. Yeah, that's definitely telling. And uh, maybe with when these lines turn out right, when the injury report's all said and done, some of these teasers might be the best uh, best move past the key it, numbers. I, I would be Bucks or nothing. I, I think at this point. Yeah, me too. And. The Bucks have a great home field advantage, in my opinion. It's higher than others, and I don't rate home field as much as people used to, obviously. But I still think uh, the Brady effect definitely helps. And uh, I, I agree. I like Chaz Malusi. He came from the Badgers. He's a, a linebacker for the Chiefs. I think he, he was fantastic last year in college. He looks to do, be doing pretty well with the Chiefs right now. Very, very uh, interesting game. It's going to be a fun game to watch, finally, at least. I think we're going to have a good... Very good, yep. A, a very good uh, Sunday night game here. Well, that ends good it... Good primetime slate all around. Good primetime slate, and that ends it with a primetime game, the Rams versus the Niners, and this is minus one and a half for the Niners, uh, total 42. This is funny. This thing was started out low. I hit the Niners. I know other people did, and it went to... Th- I think three, and then now it's back down. You got some Rams betters here. And what I do know about this is, you know, part of the reason I play it is that I believe the Niners have the Rams number. I think the Niners almost have to win this game to get back in it. They have that stinky Bears loss in a monsoon in Chicago. And, you know, they really outgained the Bears. It was just very Trey Lancey. One thing that I noticed last week is Jimmy Garoppolo was rusty, and he should have been rusty. They they kept him out the whole summer trying to trade him. They didn't want him to get hurt. He didn't get practice. You know, came kind of late, but maybe he gets it together this week. I think uh, the Rams are uh, maybe a little bit in hangover mood mode. I... Uh, I feel like Shanahan owns this matchup, but the Rams are still very talented, yet Stafford, I don't completely trust him. I love the way that Niners match up. They're pretty they're pretty hard-hitting in the trenches, minus Aaron Donald, but now the Niners lost Trent Williams on the left tackle side, so that concerns me Big a little loss. bit, and I wonder if that's part of the reason this thing moved down. I think the Rams are a great teaser leg at plus one and a half. Uh, even though I did play the Niners, and I think this is a get-right game for them. What are your thoughts on this one? Do you think that Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan are decent offensive coaches? Better than that. Okay. Um, Do you think that Matthew Stafford is an above-average quarterback? Yes. Yes, he certainly is. Jimmy Garoppolo? When doing when he's doing well, yes. When he's not rusty, uh, he was number four last year in EPA plus CPOE, so I think he is above average. So pretty good numbers. And then if I was just generally to say Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, like kind of above average offensive players or below average? Above average. Okay. So the total in this game is 41. Now, I'm not going to ask you the same questions, but let's look at some other 41 and a halfs on the board. Cooper Rush versus Carson Wentz. That's probably a step down from the offensive talent that we just spoke about. 
Brian Hoyer versus Aaron Rodgers. So one side of it, pretty good. The other side, probably a pretty steep down from where we're at. Um, and then there's one more on the board, which is Zach Wilson versus Mitchell Trubisky, which is also at 41 and a half. So I would say that's probably a significant step down. So to me, what stands out here is I see this total. I'm like, can can this game with these offensive coaches, with these quarterbacks, with these skill position players, are we really saying that these defenses are as good to make this game the same total as Trubisky versus Wilson and Wentz versus Rush? Like, is that where we're at with this number? Because that's what the market is saying. I don't know if I buy that entirely. Wow. So it looks like you're really pushing this over here and selling it to me. I'm kind of bi- I'm kind of biting, but I what's do- the other side to this? That like, these that these co- these coaches know each other that well. That's the side to it that keeps it down. I think, and uh, I'm not saying I agree with that, but I think that's why you're seeing 42 right now. I, is there weather going on in San Fran? I didn't really look at that, but I thought that this would have been a 45 and a half point total based upon previous. I I wish I had the the past numbers available for like these teams and matchups because I I can't on the top of my head I feel like it's always skewed over, but that could be a complete misjudgment on my part. I don't know. I, I wish I had numbers on that, but that's something to check after. That's a good point. Yeah, um, a ton of familiarity, and let's not discount how good both of these defenses could be. Um. But like at the same time, and so you mentioned it well, the Falcons kind of got a lot going their way against the Rams, blocked field goal return, um, stuff like that. But like the Falcons put up 20-something. The Bills hung, what was it, 38 in week one. Last week, the Rams shut down the Cardinals. Uh, but then again, the Rams or the 49ers defense, they had the rain game against Chicago. That's a really bad offense. They had the rain game against Seattle. That's a really bad offense. And then they played the Broncos, which I don't know where what we think of Denver, but that could also be a very bad offense. There's a lot of low confidence there. So the Rams, probably the best offense the Niners have faced by a considerable margin too. So I don't know. It goes goes a couple ways here. Well, Aziz Al-Shair is out for the Niners, and that's another big thing that goes towards the over. He's a massive part of the linebacker linebacking crew here, right? There's, again, it's kind of more of a scheme thing. So he's, I don't know if I'm rating it that high. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I suppose the left tackle in that is interesting. Maybe it's Jimmy Garoppolo's performance too. That's keeping it low, but I could. We just saw an 11, 11, 10 final, like 48, 72 hours ago. So that, yeah, that doesn't help anything. I could see myself buying this over. I could see myself doing it. I, it 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 jumps out to me. We're going through everything, and I'm like, it's all kind of lining up and and what have you to being very tough. But I see that versus the other games that are at this price point, it doesn't jive for me. Well, but there's, I mean, this number's crashed down, so there's there's clearly influence behind this move to the under. But has it gone too far? Well, that's a good segue into Adam. Where could we find out if and when you are taking this over? And try to get to this number before everybody else. 
I'll post it in the Telegram channel. Um, that's where I send out all the bets and the write-ups, and anyone can join that through the Twitter account. So we'll see what happens as the week progresses. As quiet of an NFL betting week as I've had in a long time. <laughs> but this is – it's tough because, like, if I'm looking at sort of what I want to do and team-wise or where my opinions are on who's over or undervalued, like, I, I think the Bears are worse than they're getting credit for. Yeah. <laughs> playing the Giants, who are a team that I think is is getting too much credit. So, like, that's a bad spot number-wise. I think the Houston Texans are a really bad team, but they're playing the Chargers, who have 100 injuries on both sides. So that's brutal. I think the Lions are a terrible defense that's very overvalued. If I want to bet against that, I have to bet on Geno. So, like, that's a bad situation. I think the Eagles are very good, but I also think the Jags are very good. And so I want to don't want to get involved there. I think Washington's horrible. Well, now I have to lay three and a half with <laughs> Cooper Rush. I, like It's just endless this week for how if it's any other, like if the games fall any other way, I'm looking at like six or seven strong opinions. Right now I'm at zero because of the matchups and the prices. Yeah. And so you, we'll see. it's not always going to be like that. And we're going to find better weeks to have you on. And uh, you know, give the public a better idea. But at least what we're doing is sometimes it's better to talk people off of bad bets than it is to give out a winner because you're paying you. So you know, it's. I uh, think I did a good job of that. <laughs> we both did, man. Hurricane concerns for the Panthers. I'd say so. I mean, sure, I, they could they could linger around there. I'm not. I, I'm not going to make any move on that game uh, for now. I think. Um, you know, coming later, there could be on Sunday where Adam even comes on the Simple Handicap or on his uh, Telegram channel where he starts spitting out some plays, and it might not be till Sunday right before the game. The uh, the injury concern of note is the Bucks, who had to go to Miami, so they're already out of Tampa, scheduled to potentially go back. They said there's no plans to move that game now. As the hurricane went south of Tampa, it'll still be an impact, but probably not as much as anticipated. If there's a change to that, they're going to play it in Minnesota. So if you're looking at the chiefs Bucks total, could go from the outdoor situation at Raymond James to an indoor situation on a fast track on a neutral in Minnesota, which would have an impact on this number too. Yeah, it certainly will. I think uh, people do give credence to the Bucks right there at home. Moving on to a different location is a big thing. Yep. All right, Adam, That we're out of time, my man. Thank you so much for coming on the show, breaking down as much as we could in the NFL this week. Uh, I, w- I wish that we could obviously have a show right before the games and have all the information, but, you know, it's uh, uh, we, we got to talk during the week. But uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on, uh, to pick your brain and to learn everything that you do on a weekly basis. Really appreciate it. Thanks for letting me stop by. Have me on again later in the season. We'll have a little more conviction on a lot of this. <laughs> we most certainly will. Now it's time for our refuse to lose teaser that got back on track last week at one and two. So what we're going to do is go with the Tampa Bay Bucks. We were just talking about that with Adam Turnoff. I think that the Bucks are going to be able to kind of show what they did against the Packers. Strong offense and hold a little bit tighter on defense. They're going to slow this game down. But like Adam said, I think they're going to get some of those skill positions back. Evans is going to be back. Probably Julio. Maybe Godwin. So, you know, they're pretty okay in that situation. Now, Kansas City here, 
they're still going to rely on Kelsey and some of the other receivers. But I also don't think that Kansas City has been a great road team as of late. And on the other side, we're going to take the Denver Broncos to 8.5. So take the Bucks to 7.5 with the Denver Broncos to 8.5 for two stars. The only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning. All right, let's get into a little college football week five before we completely run out of time then. Let's start out with a couple plays I'm going to give out. Last week, we gave out a few winners with Coastal Carolina minus two, as well as uh, Texas A&M plus two and a half. Hopefully, you got that on time. Lost on the Iowa Rutgers one, though, which wasn't cool. Uh, Let's go back to the Big 12 here. Sorry, my dog just uh, decided to join me before a storm. TCU is about six and a half. The total is 68.5. That's a pretty big total. But, you know, this would, you'd think this, you know, Oklahoma was going to be in a look ahead spot to Texas. But now that they lost to Kansas State, that kind of cancels it out, right? And that's probably what the market's looking at. But at the same time, I still think this spread is wrong, you know? TCU hasn't played a hard strength of schedule, and that's true. But I do like SMU. You know, I think SMU is a pretty good team, and I think they're probably the second best team in the American Athletic Conference looking at how Houston's been faltering over the last few weeks. Uh, I'm also going to give Sonny Dyke some credit for, you know, putting his foot down against SMU last week, and the environment was difficult. The Pony Express uh, showed up in full force. It was a full game. Full sold out stadium is what I'm trying to say. Oklahoma lost a tough one last weekend against Kansas State, of course, but they've also haven't played anybody that good. I mean, now that Nebraska looks terrible, I mean, how much credit are we going to give them for that win? You know, the other two teams were pretty much tomato cans that they played in the FCS. I believe one of them was not even Division One football. Both of these teams rank very close, though. Yards per play margin, 2.67 for the Sooners and 2.77 for TCU. Uh, both these teams are almost equal in uh, success rate as well on offense and defense. Uh, Sooners ranking 29th in success rate. Horn Frogs rank 23rd. Uh, TCU actually, believe it or not, has a better defensive line so far, stopping the run at point or sorry, 3.21 yards per rush to Oklahoma's 3.56. You know, I mean, TCU's been really stout lately, it looks like. From a coaching perspective, I like Brett Venables a ton, but this is still his first year. He has no experience yet as a head coach, minus the few games that he has played. Sonny Dykes gets has a ton of experience here. I think TCU's going to cover this. I mean, a home dog, six and a half. Um, it, it's not like one of those... Minus three and a halfs where you think uh, it could be very dicey. I almost like the fact that it's six and a half, but not getting up to seven. Why is it not getting up to seven? I think TCU could win this one outright as well. Take plus 6.5 for 2.5 stars on the Horned Frogs. Next game, we got a Patrick Backus request. And my man, his just pull out a very hard game to talk about. UMass versus Eastern Michigan. And I'm actually really glad that he brought this up because the first one was even worse, uh, if you can believe that. And if you really look at the lines, you can guess what his first choice was. Uh, I had him move on to the next one. I decided to 
take this one, but I think there's some value in this one. And it's kind of a simple handicap in itself based upon your opinion of Temple. I mean, Temple shot UMass in the foot last week, 28 to zero. And who's better, Temple or you? Or uh, Eastern Michigan. Well, it's clearly Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan would be favored by seven points at least on a neutral field against Temple. You know, so uh, I mean, we don't go A plus B plus C when it comes to handicapping. But I just can't see where UMass is getting yards in this game or getting points. I mean, if you look at UMass's schedule, they've played nobody, and they still rank. 122 or worse in offensive and defensive success rate. That's pretty impressive. That means that there's a ton of FCS teams that are better than them. Now, I know Eagles quarterback Taylor Powell might not play this game. He didn't last game, but I don't think it's going to take much for Austin Smith to be able to run up the score on a team that doesn't even belong in uh, FBS football. I'm laying these 19 and a half points here. That's the spread, 19 and a half. I think that UMass might not even score in this game. And I think Eastern Michigan is going to put up a big number, especially based on the fact that they lost at home to Buffalo last week. Take Eastern Michigan minus 19.5. I'm only confident for 1.5 stars, but it still makes the card. This next game I like a lot because everyone's calling this the revenge spot for Oklahoma State versus Baylor. Baylor's laying minus 2.5, total is 56.5. I'm not buying into all that. I know that Baylor beat them in the championship game. Baylor was the better team, but Baylor returns more production, in my opinion, on the offensive side of the ball. And they've already proven that their defense is legit. Here's the thing. I do give a small credence to revenge, but this is a bigger situation for Baylor now that they have that one bad loss at BYU. Oklahoma State has had the 146th schedule so far. They even haven't had to play on the road as of yet. You know, they do have a bye week before this game, but I hate early bye weeks. I don't think they're helpful. You pay, you play three tomato cans and you get a bye week. How is that going to rest your team? Their bye week should be done later after hard games. I think this is more of a distraction for them. The Pokes have a very suspect defense. They're giving up 5.11 yards per play against those teams. It should be more like 3.5. You know, I think losing Knowles to Ohio State is a big situation for them. Baylor looks solid. They had that one hiccup, like I said, to BYU, but they still rank 27th in offensive success rate, 19th on defensive success rate. The Pokes, 45th and 46th, respectively, on a much easier schedule. Oklahoma State's going to try to speed this game up. They actually rank third in tempo, but that could turn out to be disastrous for them if they can't finish drives. You're just giving Baylor more drives at home to capitalize on defense that didn't return anybody. I like Baylor here. I like him minus two and a half, and I like him for 2.5 stars. Business bad? Fuck you, pay me. Oh, you had a fire? Fuck you, pay me. Place got hit by lightning, huh? Fuck you, pay me. Next game. This is the big one, baby. Alabama versus Arkansas. Arkansas is laying, sorry, Alabama is laying 17 and a half points road chalk. Total is 60. Best game of the weekend for sure. Love this game. 
but I actually think that the dog's got a barking chance here. All right. It's hard to metrically break this down because Alabama's only tough game was at Texas, and they could have lost that game. Texas missed that field goal at halftime. Alabama could have lost that game. Going back to last year, Alabama, not all that impressive on the road. They lost to Texas A&M. They almost lost to Florida, and they only beat Auburn by two points on the road. They've had some serious hiccups. I have to wonder if Crimson Tide's actually looking ahead as well. Maybe they want to beat AM next week looking ahead. Now, Nick Saban's the best coach in college football. I would have to think that he's got this team focused for this game. But Arkansas needs this game a lot more than Alabama does. Alabama could afford a loss. Arkansas has that nasty loss last week where the field goal went off the goalpost where there was a 14-point swing against AM with the fumble. I think that's going to focus them for this game. I think that KJ Jefferson has grown up a little bit from last week. I think that the fact that they played last year and Arkansas was in this game and only lost it eventually by 13 points gives them a little bit of a idea on what they can expect against Alabama. I mean, my pure power rating and power number, and that's only all I can go by because Alabama hasn't really played anybody in their four games, is 14.5 points. But to be honest with you, I make this game Alabama minus 13 due to the spot. I like the fact that Arkansas has played a little bit of a schedule. And if you look back in history, this was a little bit more of a rivalry game. Arkansas played Cincinnati. They beat them at home. They played South Carolina. Pretty good team. It's, they're not great by any means, but you know they got it going on a little bit with Spencer Rattler. Pretty easy victory for them. Obviously, Southwest Missouri State looked terrible. They're in a massive flat spot, and then they lose to Texas A&M just based upon a technicality, but you know that this was a misleading final score. This is Arkansas's whole season right here. I think this they keep this game close enough to cover the 17 points. I'm taking the Razorbacks. Woo Pig Suey in this game. Take them at plus 17 and a half for... 2.5 stars. And so then I got a call from him saying, we don't have to worry about money no more. And I said, that's good. One less thing. So those are the plays. A couple other big games this weekend, Illinois versus Wisconsin. I lean Illinois in this uh, matchup. Uh, you know that this is a much bigger game for Brett Bielema than it is for Paul Christ here. Uh, revenge spot all the way. Illinois got beat pretty bad last year, but Illinois has a much better team and Wisconsin lost and it really shows their top three pass catchers and their top four or five defensive players last year. They are not getting back into this year. That was a bad loss against Ohio State. It was a much worse loss against Washington State. Why are they laying so many points against an Illinois team that looks very, very capable? You know, defensively, they've really been stuffing some teams. I thought they were in a bad spot against Chattanooga. I took a line, tiny play on Chattanooga last week. Chattanooga couldn't even score a point against them. Rushing-wise, Chase Brown has been fantastic. 95 carries, 604 yards, 6.36 yards per carry. Virginia's not a great team, but Virginia only scored three against Illinois. They blew it against Indiana, but you know that was a misleading final score. This is probably too many points. 
Did I get to the window yet with it? No. I think that if you could find a seven and a half, you probably would. I missed out on this one, and maybe it's my fandom. I got to this one late. And um, my number is 6.5 on the power rating, but I see the upside with Illinois here. You know, it, it's, it, it could be a higher variance game. Maybe Mertz actually shows up after playing Ohio State last week. I have no idea. But right now, I'm going to give you a lean at the seven for uh, Illinois. But I'm not going to uh, give it a plan just yet. I'm going to watch where this line goes. Another big game, Michigan versus Iowa. And you know everything about Iowa. Outgame by Rutgers, but a couple defensive touchdowns covers the spread for them on the road. I mean, you hope that that doesn't happen. And that's the tough thing about playing Iowa. They're so good on defense that their defense wins the game for them. But I don't think they're good enough to beat Michigan. I think this is a situation where Michigan's good enough to keep the ball. The question is, Cade McNamara going to be back for this game? I don't think he is. Um, he, Yeah, he's out indefinitely. What am I talking about? He's out for a long time. But their backup quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, showed quite well. He's completing 80% of his passes, 48 for 60, five touchdowns, no interceptions. This could be one of those tricky situations where Michigan kind of keeps putting up some points and Iowa might not be able to score. Right now, I'm liking how McCarthy is taking care of the ball. Is it a big spread? Yes, it is for laying uh, road chalk against Iowa a team that's going to slow it down, a team that's going to limit possessions, plus the other issue is that you're going to have a low total in this game. You know, 42 and a half and you're laying 11 points. Almost the same situation as they were against Rutgers last week. So passing for now on this game, I'm kind of hoping a contrarian side maybe takes it below 10 and I might take a taste with uh, with the Michigan on this in this situation. Michigan did struggle a little bit on defense against Maryland, but I mean, Maryland's a very powerful offensive team. Um, if you have not been paying attention here, Navy versus air force is interesting. Air force laying 14 points, total 38, another big situation. This is a situation where I'm staying completely away from this because this 14 points, there's a reason why the way Navy looked, how bad they were this year that this isn't a bigger spread, and it's because option teams know each other. Option teams can stop each other. That's why there's no way I could take the over in this game. I actually lean to the under in 38. The The key thing for Air Force, they actually have a little bit of a passing game. They have some trickery to them, and they will throw the ball uh, in situations and complete those passes. You know, They're not just completely option-fed. They're more creative than Navy. They're more creative than Army. And Hazik Daniels is uh, <clears throat> already threw three touchdowns this year. He's only wrote, thrown 40% completion percentage. But so what? Air Force hasn't really played anybody anyway. Northern Iowa, Colorado, Wyoming, and Nevada. So that says a little bit. At least Navy beat East Carolina last week in a very strange game. Where East Carolina just kind of choked it up themselves. So... Just wanted to mention that game, you know, coming into this week. And then we already talked about, uh, or no, we didn't talk about Iowa State versus Kansas. I'm going to give you a lean to Kansas at the plus three, but there's some money coming in on Iowa State that I respect. I just think that Kansas at home here might be 
uh, might be the better side. I, I don't love Iowa State this year. I don't. I think their win against Iowa was a little bit fraudulent. I don't think they have a lot going on in offense, and I really don't think their defense is nearly as good as people think because, well, Iowa State hasn't really played anybody yet anyway. They haven't played any offensive teams. Let's take a look at their schedule here, and I believe they lost last week too. Uh, yeah, they lost to Baylor last week, 31-24. to That game wasn't even that close. And then they beat Ohio, Iowa by that ugly 10-7 to game in Southeast Missouri State, an FCS team. So Ohio's a terrible team this year. I can't trust Iowa State to be covering any road chalk against Kansas. I'm actually all over Kansas this year in general. So I'm going to give you a lean to the Kansas Jayhawks at the plus three. If you'd like any more of our plays or information, feel free to follow me at OBKiev. Follow us at theoddsbreakers.com. If you'd like the premium plays, we would welcome you and we would thank you for your support please check us out at theoddsbreakers.com. Now it is time for The Sharp Side of the Force. The Sharp Side of the Force is brought to you by Betfred.com. For a 100% sign-up bonus up to $250, please visit Betfred and use the promo code ODDS22TERMS, conditions, and location apply. All right, Sharp College as of Wednesday 928 sharp money on Minnesota minus seven and a half to minus 12 and a half hosting Purdue 88 percent of the tickets and 88 percent of the money Illinois plus nine down to plus seven at Wisconsin 69 percent of the tickets and 84 percent of the money sharp money on Bowling Green minus six and a half to minus nine and a half at Akron 85 percent of the tickets and 93 percent of the money Sharp Man Tulsa plus 12 down to plus nine and a half hosting Cincinnati 76% of the tickets and 81% of the money. Sharp Man San Jose State plus 1.52 minus three, 55% of the tickets and 90% of the money. Sharp totals, New Mexico versus UNLV under 45.5 to 43, 42% of the tickets and 84% of the money. Sharp Man the Minnesota. Or Michigan versus Iowa under 45.5 down to 42.5, 73% of the tickets and 82% of the money. Sherman, Illinois versus Wisconsin under 45 down to 43, 77% of the tickets and 99% of the money. Sherman, Oregon State versus Utah under 57 down to 54.5, 81% of the tickets and 99% of the money. Sherman, East Carolina versus South Florida under 59 down to 57, 65% of the tickets and 87% of the money. And any of those Georgia. South Carolina, North Carolina, and Florida games are pretty much hit with sharp money early in the week due to hurricanes. Sharp NFL for week four. We have sharp money on the Vikings, minus one and a half to minus three versus the Saints in London. 77% of the tickets and 88% of the money. Sharp money on the Ravens, plus four down to plus three, hosting the Bills, 52% of the tickets, 84% of the money. Sharp money on the Falcons, to plus five to plus one and a half, hosting the Browns, 45% of the tickets and 64% of the money. Sharp totals, Saints versus Vikings, under 46.5 to 42.5, 58% of the tickets and 78% of the money. Sharp money on the Bills versus Ravens, under 54 to 51 53% of the tickets and 74% of the money. Sharp money on the Titans versus Colts under 44.5 to 42.5. 76% of the tickets and 89% of the money. Sharp money on the Browns versus Falcons over 45 to 48. 72% of the tickets and 88% of the money. Sharp money on Seattle versus Lions over 46 to 48. 22% of the tickets and 
25% of the money. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out and tweet us at theoddsbreakers.com. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy all the games and go get some winners. <laughs>